Good morning and welcome to this assembly where we use the word of God to find the pathway forward and to pursue that good way every day. Please have your Bible ready in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. In the New Testament, we are privileged to learn about people and to learn about people together in local churches. Now, most important, we learn about God, His provisions for salvation in Christ, all clearly revealed by the Holy Spirit in our Bibles. But this is conveyed to us in interesting, instructive narratives about people and God's people together in local churches. And one of those local churches we have a record of in the New Testament, the local church at Ephesus. And from the account in the book of Acts... From Paul's letters to Timothy, Timothy worked there at Ephesus, and from the letter that's inside the book of Revelation, we learn a lot about the church at Ephesus. And we learn that everything didn't go just perfectly at the church at Ephesus. And that meant there was a continuing need for admonition, instruction, and reminders. Reminders of what being a Christian really means. Every local church in New Testament times, every local church today needs from the Word of God, reminders of what it really means to be a Christian. So, let's look at verse 1 in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's start there, just at verse 1. Paul said, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called. Now let's stop there for a minute. The Apostle Paul was in prison because of the fervent activity of his faith. He was preaching and living the gospel of Christ, and for that, he is now in prison, falsely accused and falsely imprisoned. An unjust circumstance, no doubt. Nowhere in the epistles Paul wrote from prison... Does he go into a lengthy plea for pity? Nowhere in Paul's prison epistles do you discover that he's writing lengthy discourses about the Roman government or expressing utter despair. He continues his work as an apostle and in this case he is reminding the members of the church at Ephesus what it's all about. Being a Christian, working with others who are Christians in the cause of the Lord. And when he writes about their calling, you see that? When he writes about their calling... 
He isn't talking about something mystical or magical. He is simply saying, this is the life you chose when you responded to the gospel. This is the life you chose when you were baptized. And packed into Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle describes what might be called the nature of their calling. And I want to pull together from Ephesians chapter 4 several parts of that that instruct us about what it's all about and providing reminders for us of things that will equip us to be worthy of our calling, to walk worthy of our calling. What does Paul say to the church at Ephesus? He says, remember you were called out of sin. When we hear about Christ and we come to him in obedience, when we confess our faith and we are baptized, there is in that the matter of repentance. And repentance can be defined as your personal exit out of sin. You hear God's message of salvation, that Jesus died for the remission of your sins, you respond to that, you're baptized, and there is in that response repentance, your personal exit out of sin, turning from your sin. We are called out of sin. And it is apparent that this is something we need to remember. They needed to remember this in Ephesus. I believe we need to remember it in McAllen and everywhere God's people assemble. We were called out of sin. I want you to listen to Ephesians four seventeen through 24. Ephesians four seventeen through 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord <coughs> that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, what is this I've read? From God... Through Paul to the members of the church at Ephesus. And what is the message? Remember you were called out of sin. You can no longer live in sin. The dark understanding that you had before. The ignorance and hardness of heart toward God. That old self, you gave that up. 
that former manner of life you must continue to guard against. Don't return to that. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Not a single person in this audience can afford the risk of forgetting your calling or neglecting to follow through with the choice that you made when you were baptized to leave a sinful life. I cannot forget the choice I made then. You cannot forget the choice you made then when you obeyed the gospel. It is spiritually deadly to just relax because you did something back then. Well, if you do that, you'll start to wander off. And then you'll get more comfortable with the world. Oh, you may still come to a building. But I tell you, the essence of discipleship has never been just showing up at a building. Faithful attendance, yes. But never forget what it's all about. We were called out of sin. We cannot go back into the life that we left when we were baptized. There is the calling to a worthy walk. You left sin. Don't go back to it, but what do you do? A worthy walk. I'm still here in Ephesians 4. I'm going to read 25 to 32. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your keyboard. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So the chapter begins with this theme, Ephesians 4. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you were called. Well, what is that? Or what are the specifics of that calling, that worthy walk? Just keep reading and you come to this part we've read. In this part it says, be angry but without sin. Give no opportunity to the devil. Don't steal work. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to the hearers. And then I want you to mark this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Can I stop there? You don't want to cause grief in heaven. 
When we drift back into sin, forgetting the choice we made to get out of it, when we drift back into sin, when we forget the nature of our calling, when we do things we used to do in the former manner of life, we cause grief in heaven. We don't want to do that. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Walk worthy of your calling. This is the pathway forward for each one of us. We are called to have mature attitudes. Go back earlier in Ephesians 4 and listen to verses 1 to 3. I want you to listen for mature attitudes as I read verses 1 to 3. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I think we may be tempted sometimes to think or say to ourselves, I do all the right things. I come to the assemblies. I take the Lord's Supper. I put money in the box back there. Well, good for you. Keep doing those things. But when is the last time you checked your attitude? Not just outward external performance, but what's inside. The external duties I engage in ought to be connected to purity of heart. My dealings with people, my thoughts about people ought to reflect these attitudes. We are called to be people with this kind of mindset. These attitudes, this eagerness to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are called to be people with, in our minds, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, maturity of attitude. That's our calling. The oneness of the gospel. I'm reading now verses 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I'm telling you folks, in our culture, people don't like to hear about one. In modern times, in modern culture, everybody wants to talk about diversity and plurality and tolerance. Nothing wrong with those words if they're in good context. When defined according to biblical teaching, the words themselves are legitimate. But in our time, when you listen to the popular context of these words, the popular idea is celebrate everything, do anything you want, tolerate anything that anybody wants to do. Do you hear that every day? 
And I think the message sometimes is tolerate anything unless it's in the Bible. I'm going to have more to say about all this about our culture in a sermon plan for January. But I'll say now, lots of folks who have a public voice claim to be advocates of free speech unless that speech comes from this book and then they shift and become advocates of censorship. Many accept and celebrate every kind of lifestyle, any kind of religion you want to have. But here's where we stand. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Here's what I see in this passage, and you've heard me say this before. When you learn the truth from the one God, about the one Lord, and you embrace the one faith and submit to the one baptism, you are then added to the one body, the church. And you now have the one hope that is revealed in the word by the one spirit. Now, should you ever reach a point in life where you begin to dismiss these ones, thinking that you're, you're going to now embrace modern diversity, anything goes, mark it down. Here's where you're headed. Look at verse 14. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. I'm saying to us, if we embrace verses 4 through 6, that's where we ought to stand and continue to be. If we depart from that, verse 14 says, we are tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. I'm going to say it again. When you learn the truth from the one God about the one Lord, and you embrace the one faith, submitting to the one baptism, you are added to the one body, which is the church, and you now have the one hope that is revealed by the word, by the one spirit. Paul wanted the Ephesians to walk worthy of their calling. We are called to speak the truth in love. Verse 15, speaking the truth in love in love. Now this connects to something I said earlier about externals. Sometimes we become habitually engaged in the externals but without the right underlying attitudes. You remember I said that. And there may be times when we speak the truth but we speak it in such an angry hateful way What we say has been covered up by how we said it. I want to say that again. There may be times when we speak the truth, but we do so in such an angry, hateful way, what we say is lost and covered up by how we say it. 
And I think we live in a time when animosity and acrimony and anger is in many ways the new style of communication. Everybody nowadays knows how to argue. Social media makes it so easy. Political division is often ensued with such impulse and insults and impatience. We fuel further division. We fail to exhibit the attitude of Christ and we just poison any opportunity for healthy discussion. Paul says we are called to speak the truth in love. The best way to kill a lie is to tell the truth, yes. But if you tell the truth accompanied by an ugly, arrogant, insulting, rude manner, the lie may not die. This is all in the spirit of Romans 12, 21, overcome evil with good. And here in this passage, let no corrupt speech proceed from your mouth. Now, may I add one more thing? This word calling. In some translations that you may have, this word calling is translated vocation. Your vocation is what you do. The exhortations Paul gave to the Ephesians and for us have to do with our life's work. Your vocation. Your calling as a Christian that you take with you to your secular work, to your earthly recreation, to your family and friend relationships. Your vocation is what you do as a Christian. Remembering you were called out of sin to a worthy walk with mature attitudes taking with you the oneness of the gospel and speaking the truth in love. This is all about walking worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Do you know that we are now, the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, the only English-speaking church of its kind in MacAllen? The pathway forward for each of us in this church is to speak the truth in love at every opportunity, exhibit the attitudes given in this passage, and never return to the sin that we left when we were baptized. When you learn the truth from the one God about the one Lord, and you embrace the one faith, submitting to the one baptism, you are added to the one body, and you now have the one hope that is revealed by the Word through the Holy Spirit that inspired the writers. Your calling, have you accepted that call? Should this be the time for you to respond, to hear and respond to the gospel's call, we invite you to come as we stand together to sing.